From 0-20 to 26-0, we talked to Coach Mike Hilmer of Northland High School this week on the podcast. A recent state champion this year, as a lot of our coaches have, had a father who was a high school basketball coach. So he's been around the sport. He's been around coaching his entire life. And from what he said, always knew he wanted to be a coach. He's coached multiple sons, so that was interesting to talk to him about uh, his philosophy around that, um, you know, how he handled that, how it was different than coaching other athletes. Um, also very interesting about hearing some of the mentors he's had. Obviously, his father was a mentor, but he, he as a lot of our, our other past podcast guests, has taken things from other coaches all along the way. And even now, as a state champion head coach, he's learning things um, as, he, as the years go by. We love talking to Mike. It's great to finally meet him. Uh, we hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, we would love a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and or on Spotify. Uh, and follow us on all of our social channels here too, on Twitter and Instagram at Shooters Touch IA. And you can search us on Facebook if you search for the Shooters Touch. And as usual, Shooters Shoot. I was getting, I'm getting a lot of no letters. And I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. If you really want the players to like you, just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team, but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, man. You, you have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. You, you, it's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes, then they can ball like I do. But my game different, not the same with it. I travel now, y'all just change, pivot. Well, Coach Hilmer, welcome to the Shooter's Touch. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, Coach, we're excited to uh, join us here tonight and uh, get a little bit of your story. Um, let us in, uh, the listeners and Adam and I as well, but what's what's life at home? What do you have? Um, two boys, I think that most of our fans probably know about, but what else? What, what do you have for kids um, and how are things at the house? Well, I got the two boys and then I've got a five-year-old daughter, so... Uh, believe it or not, there might be more commotion out of her than there was the two boys in there that age. So, uh, and then my wife, Jackie. So, um, we just had a coloring contest upstairs. Luckily I was just the judge. I didn't have to color. So, uh, I had to have some, that's always good. Yeah. I had to have some hints to pick the right winner. So, uh, but it's always pretty busy around here. Uh, she's just kind of getting old enough to, she's always kind of been in dance and stuff and she's just getting old enough to kind of start getting interested in sports and things like that. So. Having a little bit of time to decompress here now that the season's over. Um, I know, obviously, your day-to-day -day activities are still going to continue to be um, a lot here as we move into the spring, but a chance to spend a little bit more time at home and, and take a few more deep breaths. Yeah, it's, it's been kind of nice. We had to head down and watch Jake at uh, Upper Iowa played in Sioux Falls right after the state tournament, so we had to get down there right away, That actually the very next morning, so... Uh, once we got home from that, it's been kind of nice to kind of relax and have some time. I just got back actually uh, late last night from an alumni tournament in Fort City and uh, 
a lot of the guys that saw me play this weekend wondered how the heck I could coach a team that's so good with, with the awful play that I had. So, Man, I'll tell you what, Coach, that's impressive. You're getting out there playing. How, how are you feeling? Hamstrings, everything? I mean, we're feeling good so far? Well, I got to admit, I had a pretty tight calf when I got home, and uh, it, it might have been from all the three-pointers I missed. I don't know. <laughs> or just the drive. Maybe just the drive. You can't play and then just sit and drive home. I mean, let's, let's give you a little credit there, too. Yeah, it's uh, I'm getting to that age where I got you, you can play, but you got to kind of be careful as you're doing it. So it's kind of funny. Yep, absolutely. There are, are bigger things to take care of the next day. We got to make sure we can walk home and walk the next day. So that's good. Love, love, the, love the fact that you're still out there playing and having some fun with the guys. But uh, it feels like a good segue here. Sure, such we always like to talk about um, the childhood and growing up, um, the competitive nature that was your neighborhood. Um, so tell us a little bit about it. Paint that picture for us. What was the neighborhood like and ultimately what role did sports play in your childhood? Well, I mean, as you guys know, back when, when we were kids or maybe not quite you guys, but back when I was a kid, you really didn't play sports uh, competitively or, or against other teams till you were in seventh grade. Um, we had a bunch of neighborhood kids. We loved to play football, basketball, depending on whatever uh, season it was and, and depending on the weather, baseball. So um, you know, we would be out every night till our parents made us come home, just playing in the, in the yards or the driveways or, or whatever, wherever we could find a game. Um, I grew up kind of, I always sat on the bench from the time I was probably five years old. I always sat on my dad's bench. Uh, I carried the, the old rosin bottles that the people used to use and, and I'd carry the towels into the huddles and I'd listen to everything he said. So I, you may not sound kind of weird, but I, I think I knew at a very, very young age that that's what I want to do is be a coach. Um, tried to learn, you know, just, just the X's and O's and stuff from him, the hard work that he puts in the scouting and things like that. So, uh, I loved going scouting with him. I mean, I can remember a lot of days we'd get out of the car cause we'd have to go to practice first and we'd have to park a long ways away from some of these, uh, gymnasiums. Cause we'd be the last ones to get there after coming from practice. And we'd run all the way up to the door and kind of race up there and we'd have the old clipboards and right now, whatever we could. Cause you know, back then really you didn't go through film unless you had a, <laughs> You know, unless we're going to go through a whole VHS. So that's right. uh, you had to kind of get it, catch it on the fly. No, that's great. So then uh, when you had an opportunity to start playing, what was that like? So you, I know you said growing up in the neighborhood, uh, once you got to high school, Fort City High School, correct? Yeah. Um, yep. What was the, what was the high school days like for you? You know, it was, it was, it was pretty fun. I, I had a class of a lot of good athletes uh, with me and around me. So it was, it was fun to play. Um, you know, we were very competitive in that conference. I can't remember. I don't think we won the conference title. Lake Mills was really good back then too. And I actually just talked with quite a few people at this alumni tournament that were hoping we were going to play Lake Mills because I kind of wanted to see that matchup. So uh, it was interesting talking to all those people back in Forest City. But, um, you know, back in the day playing for my dad, I, you know, I started when I was a sophomore playing for him and, and played for him for three years. So um, any kid that's played for their dad or coached their son will tell you that that's there's some challenges that go along with that. But, uh, you know, really, when, when it gets down to it, the rewards far outweigh the, the challenges and kind of the, the nights sometimes that you come home. Uh, I had a really good friend of mine once and he was telling me that uh, he kicked his son out of practice and his son drove the car home. So when practice got over, he had to walk home in the cold weather and he got home and his wife was all sad because they weren't talking. And so they were laying in bed at night. She goes, you got to do something about this. And he said, you know, I don't think it's my fault. What happened in practice? I think it was, it was my son's fault. So about one o'clock in the morning, they got a knock on the door and his son flips the light on and he says, Hey dad, I just want you to know, I still hate you for what happened today. <laughs> Shut the light off and went right back out. So, 
<laughs> well, that's the story of two guys that got along pretty good too. So, you know, there's always some challenges, but you know, deep down, both of us know, you know, both your kid your, or your dad, depending on which, which side of that you're on, uh, you know, you're both just pushing each other to be better and, and you can talk it out at home and uh, it always ends up being a great thing at the, you know, at the end when it's all over. Well, and yeah, like you said, when it's all over the things and the stories that we always hear on the podcast always ends with the relationships, um, the memories that come from that, the little things, uh, sure, the, the banners and the championships and a lot of those games we remember, but we always remember the bus rides and that one practice and that one event. And so when you have an opportunity to share those memories, uh, you know, with your family, with your kids, with your dad, um, it's something that's definitely special and unique, obviously, for you to have that opportunity to be on both sides of the coin has to be something that you'll you'll definitely carry with you forever yeah you know and I was so fortunate to be able to I just ended up in the area where my dad was at when he was thinking about retiring so I got to coach with him for five years as a co-coach with North Glen um, you know and had both my sons on that state championship team when when he coached with us so you know having us all there it, it's a lot of fun again it's 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 tough you're you're co-coaching with your dad. And sometimes you guys, you know, you may not always agree on things just like you might not with your assistant sometimes, but uh, when your dad pulls the wild card of I've been coaching for 55 years, then you just have to kind of got to give him the nod on whatever there's a, a difference in opinion on. So uh, he always won out in most of those cases. So, uh, you know, and a lot of people don't realize this, but, you know, with his age and all that kind of stuff, he was really the guy that kind of was the, the catalyst behind us. Uh, we, you know, we knew we wanted to be a pressing team, but he, he convinced both Travis and I that uh, we should do it make or miss. And ever so for six years, we've pressed every possession that we can make or miss and, you know, tweaked it here and there, but uh, we probably never would even have tried it had he not have been around. So we're very fortunate that we had him here. Yeah, that is interesting and, and unique and obviously worked uh, really well for you. We'll get we'll get into a little bit of the numbers, but even looking at some of the scores and you guys, you make a lot of good teams feel very uncomfortable. Um, and that's reflected uh, in a lot of the scores as we got a chance to kind of go back and through. But um, yeah, that's really neat. That's interesting to be able to have an opportunity to sit on the bench, um, with, like you said, with the four of you. Uh, it's just something special that, uh, you know, anyone that plays the game dreams of to have the opportunity to have all four of you there um, has to has to be extra sweet. And so uh, that's great. That uh, that definitely definitely makes a big impact um, on you and your career. But uh, so what so what was the hardest? What do you think the hardest thing about playing for your dad? Well, probably the hardest part was. I was a pretty competitive guy and I, I wasn't always uh, the best of sportsmanship and types of that stuff all the time. So uh, that's why I preach that so much where, where I'm at now. And so, you know, it's just like their expectations are high. And I, I think every kid when their dad's coaching feels like they're a little bit harder on them, maybe sometimes, or maybe not even harder, but they maybe expect more out of you than you expect out of other players. And I don't think that's always true. And I, I really tried, you know, having played for my dad, I tried with my boys to almost be on the opposite side of that. I know a lot of coaches are like, well, I got to be harder on my kid, you know, than I, than I do everybody else. And I tried, I tried to actually show a little more patience with my kids knowing how hard it is to play for your dad and things like that. And, you know, we always keep that open amongst the team. You know, they, they understand it's a, a father son relationship as well. And, all of those kids are probably in one sport or another getting coached at home by their dads, the way, you know, life is these days. So, um, you know, and there's even nights I'm talking to other kids about what their dad, you know, might've said to them after the game before, and, you know, trying to tell them, Hey, your dad's just trying to, to make you better. So, 
Um, you know, I think that's the toughest part is just trying to, you always feel like maybe you're getting pushed harder or, or something like that. And, and probably the reality is you're really not, it's just that your perception, cause it's your dad. Right. I, I agree. And having coaching my daughter, it's, it's very similar. And I think that part of that too, a little bit, at least at this level, the lower levels is the expectations too, is like, I, I have the fortunate ability to see the things that she can do in the driveway or in the gym when it's one-on-one. -on -one. And so my expectations when we get out on the, in the court is a little bit higher than maybe hers are. And so, like you said, it's a balancing act. Cause it's like, you know, gotta be patient, want to give them time, you know, not set the bar too high, but uh, it's, it's, it's a learning, it's a learning experience. That's for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think in the long run, you, you can tell how, you know, how they're accepting it and whether they're having fun. And, you know, I've always, always said, and probably even more so when you have a team that maybe isn't quite as good, you got to find ways to make it fun. If it's not fun for the kids, you know, and then why, why be there? So, you know, that's one thing that, that Travis and I always try to do. I don't know if the kids would agree that we've tried to make it as much fun as we can and balance the fun with, you know, working hard and, and, you know, reaching your potential and that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, we feel like we've done that and, and we hope our kids realize that we've tried to do that at least and, and push them to reach the potential, but still have some fun out on the court. Yeah, that's great perspective. And, you know, as, as you two have, have alluded to, you know, I, I coach my, um, um, I coach just, I mean, my first grader and I, I struggle with that too, just in my head, even, you know, not that it actually happens, but, you know, in my head, I struggle with that for sure. But, um, well, coach, you, you mentioned a little bit that, um, you know, in the neighborhood you were playing, you know, it sounded like whatever sport uh, was in season. Um, what other uh, what other sports besides basketball were you playing? You know, middle school and in high school. So when I was in high school, I, I played everything. Um, I ran track. Um, I played baseball, uh, football. Uh, probably actually, I mean, I went to college, went to Cornell College in Mount Vernon to play football. I ended up playing basketball there too because our football coach Steve Miller, the first year I was there, also was doubling as the basketball coach. And he had a real profound effect on me. I, I love the way he coached. I love playing for him. So uh, when I started out there, I played both sports. And then I ended up um, just being in football later on down the, down the line when, when the two seasons over, or, you know, inter, I guess overlapped a little bit more. It was a little bit tougher to play both. So, but really enjoyed that. I enjoyed all the sports in high school. I, mean, I get, we were just talking about that last night with a bunch of friends, how lucky we were at Forest City to have so many coaches that were just great role models both you know both as coaches but also as people um and we had the same ones you know they were there as we were growing up they were there when we were going through school and they were still there when we left so we got very very lucky I think that helps when you you have good role models to look up to and you know you realize back then you didn't always like every coach and then 10 years later you realize how lucky you were to have them so Right. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure everybody's been in that scenario too. And, you know, us, us as well, you know, growing up in, uh, in small town, um, you know, you almost, almost had to play every sport. Um, and we usually ask, ask this question from the other angle, you know, how did other sports uh, help you out in basketball, but you know, you going, going to school to play football, essentially, uh, how did, how did hoops help you on the football field? Do you think? Well, I, I just think every sport, you know, helps you, you know, I, I think in this day and age where people are starting to specialize a little bit more and you kind of understand that some of the bigger schools that, you know, if you are in all four, it's kind of hard to, to compete and, and stay up at the top level. But um, I, I just think you, you learn so many different uh, life lessons and things like that. And, you, you know, you're using different skills and, and, and things. And I, I always thought that just the competitive nature of every sport made you better at each and every sport. So 
Um, you know, whether there was a direct correlation between basketball, football, track, I don't know, but the competitive nature of all of those, I think, uh, overlapped and intersect and, and make you a better player all, all, you know, all over the board. And, you know, when we were in school, a lot of, almost all of us did, did do both or, or all four sports. And, you know, right now, most of our kids are in at least three of the sports and we really encourage them to be in more. Uh, and we try as coaches to do our very best before summer and, and before each season to say, okay, what do you want to do uh, for your sport? And we try to make sure that kids aren't making choices between sports and that we make it feasible for them to do all four and to enjoy it without getting you know, burnt out. Yeah, it definitely makes it easier when, when, when coaches from, I guess, specific uh, sports are on the same page about that um, at certain schools. Cause yeah, I mean, you know, you hear about it all the time, uh, especially nowadays at, at, at even bigger, bigger school, uh, with bigger schools for sure that, you know, Hey, you're, you got to play basketball, can't play baseball because you're playing basketball in, in, in the summer, which, you know, that's, that's, uh, you know, there's something to be said about that. Um, however, you know, I think that we talk about it all the time here on the podcast that, you know, the hand-eye coordination, you know, the just, just overall athletic ability that you have to have to play different sports, you know, helps you on the field, helps you on the basketball court, um, wherever, wherever that is. And so it's, a it is, um, I guess a positive in our mind that uh, you play different sports as well. And it sounds like you feel the same. And so do, do the other coaches at Northland. Yeah. You know, like a perfect example would be summer where we, we line up weightlifting and then open gym and then any agility stuff they want to do for football. And we try to get that done so they can go straight to baseball. They only have to come over to the school once uh, we don't make everything an hour and a half so that they're there for five hours. You know, we try to give the priority to baseball since it's their season. And we, we try to, you know, 45 minutes of this, 45 minutes of that. Uh, and our kids really buy in. It's just funny. Like somebody will say, well, you know, when you have open gym, how many kids come? And I, it's kind of a weird question to me because like it literally everybody comes it's just, I mean, you know, there might be a kid sick or something one day, but it's like, everybody's there from one to 21. And, we just do whatever we do there for about an hour. And then we, you know, we hit the weight room and, and then they head off to baseball. But um, I feel real fortunate with that. Cause I, you know, honestly, we, we really try at Northland not to pressure kids into stuff. So, you know, if I've got a kid that plays basketball, but he has love is football and he wants to work on football in the summer then get to whatever open gyms you can get to. And if you're concentrating on football, that's great. You know, whatever, wherever you are, when the basketball season starts, that's what we'll evaluate. Um, and I think because we do that, I think the kids buy in and, and they actually come to more stuff and they, they realize that, you know, we have their best interest in mind, or at least we try to have that best interest in mind. Yeah. How, how tough is that to, um, you know, create, create all those schedules um, around different sports? It, it is, is that kind of tough for you as a coach and other coaches or, or not necessarily? No, it, well, it's really tough actually, because, you know, you got, you know, if we want to go to a league that is on Sunday nights and they might want to go to seven on seven on Sunday nights, you know, for football or whatever. So um, it takes a lot of, of pre-planning, but I mean, we've, we literally, and I, and that's all the way across the board in our school, whether it's FFA, FBLA, but if you're going to do something uh, we try to get in May, we try to get the summer all mapped out. And then we try to, you know, band choir, all that stuff. And we try to get the whole year through the next May mapped out so that you can avoid conflicts as much as possible because we don't we just don't want to put kids in a situation where well do I go to you know do I go to my choir concert or do I go to to my open gym for baseball or whatever the case is and if we avoid those being at the same time we don't ever have to worry about it and I know that doesn't happen in every school so we're really fortunate that all of our 
you know, sponsors, coaches, whatever, uh, they all feel the same way and, and do a good job of kind of getting everything together. And it takes a while to get it planned, but once it's done, then it's, you know, then it's pretty easy. Takes a good AD to be able to stay on top of all those activities. <laughs> you know, hey, I, I had to get somebody to figure out how to shut the fire alarm off in the middle of the day today. That took about a half hour. Jeez, <laughs> that's pretty crazy that's cool though that uh like i said like obviously it, it it breeds success and being able to have the ability where you don't have to choose and uh you know you're making it fun for everybody do you guys have a youth program is it do you guys what do you guys do from specifically on the basketball side for the for the younger ages yeah so you know when i first got here there was one one grade that was really playing a lot of aau ball and stuff like that and, and nobody else was doing it uh really with with any other sport either so um, we, uh, the girls coach, Brian Wheatley and I, he was my assistant when he first came over, we set up like a, we called it a tri rivers basketball league. And it was basically set up as a developmental league. So each sport or each team, when you brought a team, you had to have a coach referee so that we didn't have any parents, you know, complaining. We didn't have to have any cost involved. And it was really to teach kids starting in third grade, everything, you know, how to line up for free throws and all that kind of stuff. And, that's evolved. Um, now it's still going, but right now, I mean, like we have all kinds of schools and it's not just tri river schools. There's probably somewhere between 15 and 20 different schools. And it kind of just depends on your level. Our kids have kind of evolved now where parents start to work with them a little earlier. Uh, we even have like a, one of my former point guards has a thing for kindergartners and first graders that he's been doing with the girls and stuff like that. So when they get to third grade, they kind of have some familiarity with at least terms and things like that. So that's, that league is still pretty much set up for people just beginning. So sometimes our kids will go there. Sometimes they won't. It'll just depend on where they're at when they start in third grade. Um, but I think one of the things that's really helped our youth program after getting that set up is right now we have a whole string of coaches in our system whose kids are spread out from basically 12th grade all the way down to third grade. So they're getting coached by people that coach, you know, and right. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean that people that don't coach don't do a good job because a lot of people that do, but sometimes, you know, in, in, especially in small schools, you might hit a grade where none of the parents feel comfortable doing it. And then you just kind of hope somebody will take it and, and maybe they don't, you know, they don't feel comfortable enough or know enough. So we try, you know, if that happens, we try to go to, you know, six, eight practices and run them for them to kind of get them started. And then, you know, they can go from there, but uh, you know, it's evolved too now that a lot of our kids are playing AAU ball. We, you know, we had like four kids playing with the Iowa preps, you know, this weekend. And so, uh, it, you know, then it gets tougher to do stuff with your own team because everybody's out playing, but that's still a good, a good thing. But, uh, that youth program, I think has been really beneficial to us. So do they, do you still have to bring your own, your, uh, an official or how do you guys do that? Are you still doing well, it? Well, we actually, so when I did it, like we, we always said you had to have an adult ref. You couldn't just bring anybody to just throw in there. Right. But I always, when we did it, I always refed myself because that way, if my kids were traveling, you know, I know what I'm teaching them at practice or when we're in the gym. Right. So if they're traveling and I know they know the difference, then I'm going to call them for traveling. But I, you know, I'll let kind of the other coach decide on their kids, if he's going to call traveling or not. So uh, when we did it, I mean, I, I, I was adamant I wanted to be the refs because then I could be out there kind of teaching. Uh, it's kind of evolved now. Like sometimes they might bring a college kid to ref or something like that. But the nice part is there's one ref from each school. There's very little complaining. Everybody knows it's just, you know, to teach the kids the, the basics. And, you know, it's kind of hard to yell at one of your own out on the court. Hopefully you're not doing that or be hard to get, hard to get people to do it. But then the nice thing is like, so if you host, you host for a day. And literally it just runs itself. You have a schedule and they keep the scoreboard. They do the referee in, and, you know, at the end of the day, you've played two or three games and 
it's cost you no money and it's, you know, it goes quicker because you're, you can schedule things, right. you know, how you want to, you're not having to travel very far. So it's been a great thing for, for a lot of schools, really. Yeah, that's great. I like that. I, I like that official idea too. I'm like envisioning in my head of how that would work at the higher levels. And I mean, it would be, <laughs> I'm like, you know what, this, there would be a lot of good things about this. There would probably be, um, probably a few makeup calls here and there too, as it gets more and more competitive, but that's, that might be fun in itself too. So that's interesting, but it also, at the end of the day, what it's all creating throughout the whole thing is just buy-in, um, and just buying into the program, um, buying to the kids, you know, buy into these, these, um, young athletes getting better. And obviously that's something that, uh, you guys have not had a problem with, uh, as, as you've been at Northland and, and the run that you guys have been going on. And so do you think it's a combination of all these things? Do you think it's starting them young, the youth program, the consistency between the coaches and the messages, or, or what do you think ultimately has allowed you guys to go on the crazy run that you've been on the last six, seven, eight years here? Yeah, you know, honestly, I've always said I, I don't think it's just one thing. I, I think we, you know, the probably the biggest thing is we've been blessed with a lot of really good athletes. So uh, when we start with them in third grade and they can trouble with both hands and go in and do a layup and you're not showing them, you know, how to step with the right, you know, they already know how to do that kind of stuff. You know, and, and I attribute a lot of that back to where we've been really fortunate. A lot of the parents here and, and you guys have just alluded to it. You're both coaching your own kids already you know, they take their kids and work with them. They don't just expect somebody else to do it. And so, uh, you know, when they go home from practice, if we've showed them something they can't do, their parents help work, work with them on it. And, you know, I, I just really feel like we have, we have a, a community, at least, you know, the last eight to 10 years. And, and really the whole time I've been here, I've been here 23 years, like the, the values that everybody has are so similar and everybody has, you know, wants the, the best for their kids and, you know, wants to keep them out of trouble and doing things. So um, I think we just had buy-in from not only the coaches and the kids, but the, the parents have been a huge, you know, factor in that too. Um, so, you know, we've been pretty blessed a lot. You know, if anybody were to ask me, you know, why have you been so good, you know, the last six years? Well, I coached for 20, you know, seven years before that or whatever it was, 24 years. <laughs> And I hadn't been to the state tournament yet. So it's not my coaching, obviously, that's doing it. So um, we're, we're very fortunate. Just had some great kids and, and a great run. And, you know, I talk about this all the time. Our kids um, hang out together and it's not like the seniors hang out together. It's the whole team. They're all here uh, at our house. A lot of times on Friday nights down in the basement, the managers are here. There's wrestlers here, you know, so uh, it's just a, it's just a bunch of kids that get along really well and, and they know they want to stay out of trouble and reach their goals. And so they're doing things on Friday and Saturday night. That's not going to hinder that. And, uh, we have very, very, very few distractions in the 23 years that I've been coaching basketball here that, that I could complain about. I think I told somebody this weekend, that I think I've had two phone calls total in that 23 years from parents. And neither of those was like a disgruntled parent, just somebody asking for some advice. So, I've been pretty blessed because I hear the stories everywhere else, even as an athletic director, uh, plus a basketball coach. So been very, very fortunate with the parents that we've had as well. It's you that. even let them hang out with wrestlers, coach? Well, yeah, we, we pretty much uh, – some of some of their best friends are wrestlers. And so All right. uh, back in the day, both those – you know, uh, Brady, Brady Henderson was always over here because he was a great wrestler, Blake McGraw. So – uh, they, you know, from the years that we did a lot of baseball together, those guys were a good mixture of basketball players and wrestlers. And, and, you know, again, you know, those sports all build on each other. So that's one thing I love to see too. They support each other. You know, they'll go to the musical forever's in the musical and they'll go to the wrestling meets and wrestlers will come to the basketball games and 
makes a big difference. Now I get it. Okay. So it sounds like it's the old adage that 20, the 23 year overnight success then to get to the point where you're at, huh? It's yeah. Nothing <laughs> just happens like that all of a sudden now Northland's down the state tournament every year and it, uh, it just happened overnight. Yeah. And, you know, we talk, the kids and I, we talk about this all the time. So, I mean, if you looked at all six of those years and you took the toughest game we had, whether it was at state or before we got there, there was a lot of opportunities where we could have maybe not made it there. You know, uh, we had a tough game with Dyke one year and we just snuck that game out. We had a tough uh, game with um, Dyersville Beckman one year and found a way to win. We had a tough game with Cascade one year. So there was, you know, in Ma Maple Valley, Anthony the first round of our first time down there. So there's been a lot. West Sioux was another one down there. So we, we squeaked out a lot of games that, yeah, we got to the finals, but it doesn't mean we were way better than everybody else. We just happened to find a way to win those games to get there. So uh, we know we're pretty fortunate with that. And hopefully we just did the little things right that helped us win those games. But it takes a little bit of luck, too, where the right shot goes in at the right time and, and things like that. I think I heard uh, the Louisville coach say that on Twitter the other day, that, that yeah. he just hasn't gotten the breaks. And sometimes that's exactly what it takes to get, get a little bit further. Well, it does. And the experience, too. We talk about it all the time, too. But you go down there and, you know, maybe the first trip or the second trip doesn't go exactly how you want to. But then that class coming back or whatever it is makes the third one um, that much that much better and that much sweeter. Uh, we, we're, so we're talking about this six season stretch. If I have this right. So six seasons, we have five losses. Um, does that sound right? Is, does, did was yeah. my data correct on that coach? I mean, that is just right. unbelievable. <laughs> uh, we talked a little bit off air too. two of those years bumped up to two A. Um, still had no problem. I think one of those you went, I think undefeated, right? In 2A, 26 yeah. and 0, yep. and then 26 and 1. So no problem in 2A, no problem in 1A. It's just been amazing um, to to watch your guys and, and the growth in which that you've had. Um, we want to get into Northland and, and, and the success that you've had, but we always got to figure out how you got there. So tell us a little bit about, so you, you were at Cornell. Um, you said that you kind of knew from a young age that coaching was going to be the path. But uh, getting ready to graduate from college, what were you thinking and what was the first step? And then how'd you get this ball rolling? Yeah, so, I mean, I got I got pretty lucky back in the day. Um, you applied for a teaching job and there was probably 60, 70, 80 other people applying for that same job. Now there's probably 10 or 12. But um, I got my first job at, in, it was called Lincoln Central was a school and it was in Groover, Iowa. Uh, it's right outside of Esterville, about six, six miles. And I'll still remember going to the interview, talking to the people and they told me, you know, you're probably not going to be very good. We're only going to be open for a couple of years, you know? And I said, well, I just want to coach, you know, I don't, doesn't matter to me. And I remember leaving and then trying to find uh, a diet do in town and there was no place to get one. <laughs> I had to drive to Esterville to get one. So I thought, well, this could be interesting, but um, two of the best years of my life, I got to, I got to teach in a school that, um, there was a forest Ridge youth center. A lot of our kids came from, so we had a, a quite a diversity in terms of kids and behaviors and things like that. Um, our team, you know, I, I coached for two years there. We were two wins, 38 losses. And, um, I wouldn't give those days up for, for the world. I, I loved coaching those kids. Um, it was so fun to, you know, play a team that beat you by 40 and the next time around you you know you're you're within 10 points going in the fourth quarter and things like that and you can kind of teach kids that you know if you stick with it and you work hard good things will happen and uh i had just as nice a kids there as i did anywhere else i i can remember one of my stories there was this i thought my best player was gone one day from school 
And it was the day before a game. And so I, we practiced that night. And then the next day I said, Hey, are you, how are you feeling? He goes, feeling great. Why? And I said, well, you weren't here yesterday. Well, yeah, I went, I went hunting. I said, you, you skip school and practice hunting? He's like, yeah. And I said, well, you're not playing tonight, then. I'm not. I go, well, you can't just skip and come back and play. And then his mom was so thankful I did that to him. And he turned out, it was funny because he was on our two and 38 team. But when, when I took the, uh, and I'll get to that in a second, when I took the Esterville job, he was going to be a senior and he, so he, we joined schools and he ended up being a first team all conference player over there. And he was just a, a great kid. He, uh, when we were over there, he was working on roofs and he had um, drove his a nail through his hand and nailed his hand to the roof. And the next day in practice, he was shooting funny and throwing the ball up. And I finally said, Dean, if, if you're, if this is all the effort you're going to give, just go home. And I sent him to the locker room. One of the other kids says, coach, I think he might've nailed his hand to a roof last night. Oh and I go, well, why, why wouldn't he tell me that? And they're like, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure he did. And then I went in and I looked at his hand and I'm like, get back out here. I'm sorry about that. You know, I had no idea he had done that. So, um, but so I was there for two years and, uh, I just got really, really lucky. I had, I had actually lined up a part-time job at Humboldt. I hadn't even found a full-time teaching job yet. And the, the coach at Esterville, Tim Maskey, who had won a couple state titles there, he took a job in Minnesota, like in the middle of the summer and the athletic director called me and, and called me in and, you know, offered me the job. And I, at first, when he called, I thought it was just one of my friends kind of pranking me because I, I had a two and 38 record and they were a three A school. So I'm like, why would, you know, so I'm like, I, I'm not falling for this, you know, whatever. So he called back another time and he said, look, just come to the school. You'll see that it's me. And uh, I really, it was Al Lambers was an, I really appreciate Lindbergh. And he gave me, you know, my first opportunity at a big school. And um, we had two kids, one, one's kid was Brian Berkland and one was Dean Evans that uh, were really good players. They were just young when we were at, at Lincoln Central. And they both ended up being first team all conference players over there. But first year there, we had a great year. I was there for six years. Um, probably would have never left there, to be honest. But my, my, my sister lives in Mount Vernon. My brother was in North Liberty um, and my other sister was in Cedar Rapids. So it was kind of right in the, we would have all been within, you know, a 30 mile radius. And I came down to the interview and really liked North Lynn and ended up staying here. Well, good. So I, so got to go back to Forest Ridge real quick. Um, when did, so when did Forest Ridge shut down? Do you know? It was well after you were. Yeah, gone. they were still going when I left. I know that for sure. And they were using the school after it closed kind of as part of their, um, their deal there. But I mean, it was, um, it was, it was a great, you know, deal because those, those kids, I mean, they're still great kids just have some different circumstances in life and, and a lot of crazy, you know, I, I seen things from cans of pop being thrown at teachers like that weren't even open to, you know, kids, kids running out of the school that we had to go try to find them and, yeah. and things like that. So, but I mean, um, it, it gave me a good perspective on, you know, a having to deal with some of those kids and trying to help them out, you know, in life and, and get them on the straight and narrow and um, met some really, really good, good kids had a couple of them on my basketball team. So, but I don't, I don't really know how long that was open. So I'm trying to think, cause I'm pretty sure it's all, you know, I'm from Algona originally and we went over and I think as my freshman year, we played at Forest Ridge and that's in the silo, that little silo gym that they have, yeah. which is, it was awesome. Like old school gym, but uh, I hadn't heard Forest Ridge until you said that in probably 20 years. So I was like, Oh man, I forgot all about that school. Um, and I guess I didn't realize that they fed into Lewis central now, 
but I assume they try to feed into LC or yeah, uh, escrow. Yeah, well, it was Lincoln Central at the time, and I don't I don't know that they if they do or don't go to. Yeah, I to, don't know if they went to Estherville or not for sure when that was when they combined. But um, yeah. yeah, no, that's great. That's good. So, uh, so, so, what was the probably the biggest lesson that you can remember learning either? Did you, the first year, did you say, was the, the two-win season? I feel like you can win a lot of lessons. Yeah, we were a lot of lessons and then 0 and 20. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so you have kind of two – so going winless and or in that first year coaching, um, like you said, grew up, you know, with the coach and kind of around the game and probably felt like you knew pretty much everything there was to be about uh, the game <laughs> of basketball. What did you really learn in those first two years uh, at the helm? Well, so – my dad and I, obviously, we used to talk after every game, and I always thought it was ironic. He'd call, and I, he'd say, well, how'd it go? And I'd say, well, we played pretty good. You know, we lost by 25. And I'd say, how about you guys? He goes, well, we didn't play that well, but we won by 25, you know? So it was always, we are always kind of joking back and forth. But, you know, the one thing I learned is, and, in, in in, you know, you said giving advice to young coaches and things like that, you know, when you're 2-38, and 38, it's pretty easy to get down on yourself and worry about, you know, what your record is and all that kind of stuff. But I never went into coaching to see how many wins I could get or, or to care about that. I went into it trying to teach kids to reach their potential. And I knew from a young, I mean, I taught, uh, I mean, I was, I did a lot of park and rec stuff in Forest City. I, I taught Little League. I mean, I had five-year-olds that, you know, played Duck, Duck, Goose and all that kind of stuff. And my goal was always to try to teach kids to reach their potential and have fun. And, and I was well aware going into it that your potential is not always to be undefeated. So um, I, I never wavered, you know, people would, <laughs> I can remember one of the parents saying how bad our press offense was. And I was at home that night thinking, well, of course my press offense is terrible. I got five terrible kids trying to bring it up the court, but are good <laughs> basketball players. You know? Um, but I've always found that, you know, regardless of what parents say or outsiders say, I think kids really have a perspective on where they are and, and, you know, what they need to do to get better. And I don't think any of those kids felt like we should have been winning, you know, 12 games, they, they knew that we were kind of outmanned. And I, I just love this, the strategy of trying to hang with people. I, I, and I, you know, I don't know anybody from South Clay now. I don't even know if it's a school that was over by Spencer, but I remember they beat us by 32 points the first game and the second game, their kids were goofing around in warmups. And I told our kids, I go, Hey, they're not ready to play. So uh, this will prove to you if you're ready to play that we can play with them. And we were, I think we were ahead by two with like four minutes to go on our post player, the, the big kid that was our basically our best player he sprained his ankle. We ended up losing by four, but you know, that it was, those are the lessons you can teach those kids. And it really wasn't about winning or losing anyway. The six points swing didn't make any difference to me. I, I said to them who outplayed who tonight, you guys definitely just outplayed that team. And, and that's a tribute to you because, you know, you could have given up and, and not cared when you're not winning. And so those are the lessons. I think I, I learned a lot when we were, you know, not very good uh, in, in terms of talent, but we still had good kids willing to work hard. And so you have, have always been a head coach or had, yeah. have been yeah. interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, and so uh, I guess transitioning from, I mean, like, you know, the smaller school, like you said, up to a three, a that you may have thought was a joke, um, which is, which is, which is definitely a funny story. Um, what was, was there any change in your mindset, any change in um, philosophy when you moved up to 3A or was it, you know, just kind of status quo, you kind of coached how you coached and that was it. Yeah. I, you know, the only thing I can say probably a little bit is I, when I got there and got to know the kids and started practicing with them, 
the the beauty of it was the, the exact thing they were missing I was bringing from from Groover because we had a big kid that was really a good player we just didn't have a lot around him we had a lot of freshmen playing with him that last year when we went 0 20 and we had a really good three-point shooter coming with um, most of the other kids ended up not playing because they weren't they weren't good enough to play in the bigger school there was a couple that that still stayed out but um but what I what I would say probably was the number one thing I tried probably did a little bit different there is I could push them a lot harder because they did have a lot more uh, potential and there was a lot more competition for spots. I mean, when I was at, when I was at Lincoln central, we literally had 10 players. So if three or four quit, you're down to you know, six or seven guys total. So mm-hmm. uh, we didn't want that to happen. So uh, the competition there was, was a little better. We, you know, we could press and we could do some things. Uh, you know, we were a really good diamond pressing team back then. And, um, you know, that very first year, I remember uh, Hall Western Christian beat us by three to go to the, to the sub-state game. And as you know, their tradition and how good they are. And when I went, you know, in the future years, when they joined the Lakes Conference, I found out just how good they are. But so we had a great team. Um, and, and I would say, you know, mostly everything's the same. It, you might just be able to, you know, amp up the intensity a little bit and, mm-hmm. and the expectations a little bit because you have a little more talent. Well, with that answer, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So with in high school basketball, you know, especially smaller, you know, 1A, even 2A, sometimes even, you know, up in the up in the mid classes. But um, how does your offensive scheme change it? You know, I know probably with you that, you know, the defense is, is probably pretty much the same every year to year. But does offensive uh, offensive schemes change 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 it all for you um, on a year to year basis with the athletes that you have on the team? Yeah. You know, I think with our defense, we're always preaching that we want to really run and, and get shots up quick. And one of the, one of the things that I said, I always tell our players, I said, you guys can be thankful because I, what I think separates me from a lot of coaches, maybe my age or older is, you know, a lot of them are, Hey, we have to get a good shot. Every possession, we're going to work the ball till we get a good shot. And I'm not, I, I don't subscribe to that. Um, my theory is if, if we're only taking good shots, that means we're also passing up a lot of good shots. So uh, I tell the kids, I don't want you feeling like, you know, if, if you can make a 25 foot shot and you're open and you make it, that's fine. If you're shooting the percentage I want, uh, I'm in practices when you're taking those shots. So uh, is there such a thing as a bad shot? Yeah. And we probably take a few, but I, I think we take a lot of good shots too. And you know, if you map out the percentage of, of times you get the rebound when maybe you take a long shot or a quick shot, uh, to me, it pays off to, to be able to do that. So um, that's one offensive, like, I, I guess it's not really a play or anything, but a scheme that I don't worry too much about. Uh, the only, the only thing I would say changes the more so is if you have a bona fide post player, you know, you may want to try to work the ball inside where we haven't really had a back to the basket post player for, for quite a while. I mean, we've had some kind of swing men, but never really that. So uh, we kind of come down and, and we try to, I wouldn't say freelance it. We have a lot of, instead of having plays that we run, we have a lot of fast breaks that we can run or, or things that are quick hitters right off the fast break. And then if those don't work, we, I probably have way too many set plays <laughs> and uh, the kids that can't remember them will tell you that, but uh, if they can remember them, they, they pay off once in a while. So uh, I am a big set, set play guy. The, uh, the, the shoot it before you turn it over mentality is spoken like a true 0 and 20 and that's I can I said that a million times so yeah yep let's say sometimes our best offense is a offensive rebound and a putback or uh, or hopefully it goes out underneath the hoop because I I love our our baseline out of bounds plays because we can, uh, so 
A bad shot is definitely better than no shots. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, exactly how we think too. Exactly how we think too. Um, well, yeah, uh, I guess we've talked about a couple of these here already, Coach. But um, who are some of uh, who are some of your mentors? Uh, either I'm coaching or or you know who who, who you've uh, who you played with in the past um, while you're growing up. Who are who are some of those mentors? Well, obviously, my biggest mentor is my dad. I mean, I was with him forever. Um, I always say that every win that I get or, or loss that I get, I mean, there's a, a direct correlation to what I learned from him. I, I feel like um, he gave me the, the knowledge, you know, I feel like I'm a very knowledgeable coach um, and knowledge or having X's and O's doesn't just make you a good coach, but it sure helps. And uh, he, he gave me that. Um, he gave me the, you know, trying to instill in your players, the hard work, the preparation, uh, having integrity in what you're doing. Um, another one of my, you know, mentors or guys that I always looked up to actually all of all of my coaches I had in high school are, are uh, Larry Holstead was my football coach. Uh, always had a lot of respect for him. Uh, Frank Munch was our track coach. And then when I went to college, Steve Miller, uh, uh and Jim Wallace were two of our head coach and assistant coach in football. I had a ton of respect for those guys. They made it fun. Um, but yet expected a lot out of you. So you know, those are two guys that have been really instrumental to me. And then, you know, a lot of times you talk about the people that, you know, you saw coaching and whatever, but I've coached with a couple guys and I, uh, I'm not sure, Brian, if you'll know, uh, but um, Jared Cecil is that Elgona now. He's a principal. Uh, he was my assistant coach at Esterville for a number of years and played baseball for me at Armstrong. Uh, learned a lot from him. We used to be roommates and we would, we argued one night, I think for seven hours, whether it was more important to have a good point guard or a post player, because he was a post player, I was a point guard. So uh, then he, he won a state title with the Grettinger girls. Uh, and he had a little five, five point guard that was an absolute stud. And after that game, he goes, don't even ask it's the point guard. So yep, absolutely. Uh, we didn't resolve it for a few years, but it, it finally came to fruition. So, uh, and then our girls coach here, Brian Wheatley played for me at Esterville. And then when, when I came here, he was at UNI. He was my assistant, I think, for five or six years here, and then he took over the girls' program. But we bounce a lot of ideas off of each other as well. So, you know, sometimes, yeah, you learn from the people that you know that you were, you know, were older than you and that you played under and things like that. But a lot of times, uh, you can learn from from coaches uh, that you coach with. Um, and then another guy in our area, Larry Carlson, he's from Benton. Um, I mean, I've known him for years from all the camps and stuff we've been at together and he and I talk X's, O's, philosophy, that kind of thing all the time. And so quite a few guys, I, I'm a big believer that I, I would rather listen to somebody else, tell me what they know, than than be telling somebody else what I know, because I, I want to keep getting better. And I think, you know, if you want to be a good coach every year, you should be trying to find something you can, you can improve on. Exactly right. Yeah. Learning, uh, well, especially in coaching, learning is uh, is a must. Is a must if you want to get better. So, um, what about? So, I mean, obviously, you were around coaching your entire life. Um, what was a surprise that uh, when you moved from being a player into being a coach? Um, what was one or two things that you know you, you you may not have realized you had to do, or that I mean, surprised you when you when you made that when you made that transition? You know, I, really, I think probably the biggest thing that that a lot of people find out is how much time you actually put in. I mean, I watched my dad put in time, you know, like crazy, but I mean, that was back before you had to put stats, you know, online and you had to get your films in and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, it's the outside stuff. You know, I took, we talk about that with some of our friends all the time when we go to the state tournament, like 
oh, that must be a lot of fun. Well, it, yeah, it is, but it's also stressful. You're tired. You have a headache all week because as soon as you win or lose, you know, if you win, you got, you got to prepare for another game and you literally got less than a day and a half to do it. So, um, you know, it's, I think, you know, I've always said the stress part of it is if, if you're that stressed out, you should be doing it. You can, you can put that in perspective. Um, I, we try to tell our kids that all the time, you know, we're, yeah, we're playing in the, whatever game it is, but it's, it's a game, you know, you're, one team's going to win tonight and one isn't both want to. So, you know, just be fortunate you're, you're here and that you have fun. But I would say definitely the, just the amount of time that you put in is, is one thing. Um, and probably, you know, from when I started, you know, really, if you wanted to know what the other team was doing, you went and watched them and now you watch film uh, and it's, it's a lot different. I mean, you don't, you can't see on film really how big they are or how quick they are. And, and I still love to go watch games when we get a chance uh, to do that, but it's, it's a lot less often than you used to be able to do it. So, um, you know, film work and stuff like that, but I love that part of the game. Anything where you can try to, you know, people will ask, well, why are you watching film of a team you beat by 30 last time? I said, well, because I almost beat a team that beat us by 30 once when I was younger and I don't want to be the coach that gets beat by that team. So I'm going to prepare for every game the same. So, you know, we always try every game. We try to find one thing that we tell the kids, okay, this is what's we're going to score two points on this, or we're going to stop this play. So that's going to give us a two point advantage so that they can see that, you know, there's, there's a reason we're watching the film and, and some things that we're trying to do no matter who we play. And then hopefully they can see that if we're taking everybody serious, they, they do the same. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I love that. Um, what about from a practice standpoint and structuring practice? Um, I've had the fortunate ability to, to coach kids at all levels and all skills. Um, it feels like going to, not to harp on it, but keep going back to the, the rough days and struggling to find a way to win and pass and break a press I feel like as a, from a coach, you learn a lot and you don't, you start taking less and less for granted and that shows in your practices. And so twofold, I guess one is, is just, what, what did you learn um, from the first couple of years from practice standpoint and practice prep uh, into now and with the Northland team, as far as practice and, you know, a little bit of how it's structured and how you guys weight things as far as what you do each and every day. Well, one thing I've learned for sure is like, there's a lot of different approaches from a lot of different coaches. You know, some coaches spend, you know, the entire practice on fundamentals and working on, you know, we're, we're going to work on the bounce pass. We're going to do this, that, and another thing. Some people balance that with scrimmaging. Some people scrimmage a lot. And I, I would say I have evolved from being more, and obviously starting off somewhere where we aren't winning a lot of games, you're probably focusing a lot more on the fundamentals and doing the little, you know, if you can't shoot it, uh, it doesn't really matter how you get it up the court and things like that. So we did a lot more fundamental things and, and stuff like that. But um, now, uh, and this kind of came from my dad too, he, he would just, every time we'd run a drill, if it was three on three or something like that, he'd say, you know, we don't play three on three. I said, yeah, I know that, we're, but we're working on help defense and recover. Well, why aren't we doing a five on five? And I said, well, then I got to think a little bit more to make sure all, you know, everybody's in, yep. involved in the drill. So uh, he was a big five on five guy. And really, I mean, we, in the last five, six years, uh, Larry Carlson doesn't ever believe me. He says, well, how often do you guys just sit there and shoot in practice? And I said, we hardly ever shoot in practice. I said, literally maybe, maybe five or 10 minutes during the practice, we are scrimmaging most of the time. And he said, there's no way you're doing that because your kids all can shoot. And I said, our kids, they all come before practice and after practice and in the summer. And that's why they're good at shooting. I said, we don't need to work on shooting that much. And, you know, we get, we get our reps in, in game-like situations. So, um, and, and, you know, that's evolved because of how good we've been and, and the type of kids you have. So, 
you know, I think practice structure, I am a minute per minute. Like when we walk in the gym and, and my assistant will tell you that I have it from like 310 to 318, we're going to do this. And from 318 to 326. And then about 10 minutes into practice, I tell the guys we're a half hour behind, we're going to have to get going here or we're going to be here all day. So, but you know, then you just kind of skip over something and, and pull it in the next day. But I like to, I like to have it planned out so that you kind of have an idea of what you want to work on and, and things like that. Um, you know, but like I said, I, I've, I'm a, I'm a really a hundred percent believer that a lot of the reason we've sustained our success the last several years is because the kids in practice that go against our varsity, they have no choice, but to get, I mean, they have to get to a certain level or they're just going to get annihilated every single day. And so their goal and, and my assistant coach, Travis Griffith, he does a great job. His goal is to teach them how to break our press and, he, there's nothing that feels better to Travis or the JV kids than when I have to take the varsity kids in the locker room and ask them, why are we getting beat by the JV in a eight minute scrimmage, you know? And then the next eight minutes, we don't usually lose. We usually win by quite a bit. So uh, Travis thinks I should be taping those, those sessions and, and sending them out as motivational speaking oh. things. And I told him, man, I'd probably better, probably better not do that. So <laughs> let's, let's uh, keep, keep those ones in house. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. So then I, I know you talked about it earlier, but there's a balance. So obviously, you know, your structure, um, your prep, your preparation is a huge part of that. So the kids kind of know, um, going back to kind of this buy-in there's, there's one part competitive, there's one part skin in the game. And then there's the other part where it is a game and it's still got to be fun. And so what is, um, how do you, without losing the guys, how are you able to do that, you know, specifically in practice or are there all other team events, um, meals and stuff that you guys do off the court or what does that look like for the, for Northland? Yeah. You know, we used to do quite a bit of that stuff. Like, you know, over Christmas we'd go and we do, you know, some sort of charity work. Like one time we went shopping for one of these, one of the older folks homes. And, and that was kind of fun. They had a list of stuff they had to find and watching those kids try to find that stuff in a store was pretty funny. If they had to pick out like, you know, a, a, one of the people might say they want a, a music CD and they had to figure out what, you know, this 80 year old lady might want to listen to. <laughs> That's stuff awesome. like that. So those type of things, but you know, over the last several years when my kids are in school, I mean, they, they all hang out either at our house or one of their friends' house. Uh, and like I said, they're all there. It's usually down in our basement. So they're together all the time, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, a Friday night or, you know, I'm sure tomorrow night during the, during the championship game for the boys, there'll be a bunch of kids over here, but uh, we try to hit bowling every once in a while and, and, uh, and try to test their skill at that and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, like, like you said, I, I really think a lot of their camaraderie and stuff like that outside of the game helps them inside of the game too. They're all great friends. I mean, you, we never have a kid, you know, how come I'm not getting more shots or, you know, I, I just, you just never hear that, which, which is great. And, you know, the other thing about those guys hanging out and doing that kind of stuff too, is that you just, if you walk through our schools, you'd have no idea how successful those kids are. They don't walk around like, Hey, we're, you know, we're great or whatever. And we were even talking about that. I was kind of watching um, some of the Twitter things and there was people having send offs with the fire trucks, taking them out of town as they went and stuff like that. And I kept, I kept saying that to Travis, I'm like, God, are we jipping our kids? Cause we just get on a, you know, some of them are on a charter bus and we're getting on a yellow bus and we're just leaving and people are waving at us when we leave. So uh, sometimes I think, you know, even us, we start to take for granted that, you know, how big of an accomplishment it really is to get down there. But uh, we're pretty matter of fact about just playing the game and, and stuff like that. And, and our kids are the same way. So. So then as we uh, start to look forward, um, I guess my first question is we look, look at things and what the future holds for you. Um, what's it going to be like not to have a son on the team? 
Well, in some ways it'll be a little less stressful, but in other ways it'll probably be more stressful. So uh, it, it'll, I've really enjoyed it to be quite honest with you. Uh, there's, you know, both those boys had different, you know, we had different challenges with, with both. Um, they're both going on to play at college and hopefully we'll both be really successful. Um, still love going to watch them play. Uh, probably that's the, the most disappointing thing about not having them play for me is knowing that I'm going to miss some of their games because they're going to be playing when I, when I can't be there. But, uh, you know, I can at least watch them when I get back now with today's technology and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. I won't have my dad there or either of my boys. So, um, well, hopefully that does that probably whoever the point guard is next year is probably a little worried that I'll have too much time to, to focus on him and not on, on my son. So we'll see how that goes, but, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see the next chapter. We've got a lot of really good kids. I was actually just seeing that the Iowa preps team sent out some things and there was three different age groups and the leading score on all three of them were from Northland. So I thought that was kind of a cool thing. Ty flew hop in his age group and Mason Beshin in the freshman age group. And then uh, Tate Hagenberry in our, our junior uh, they're all three on different teams and they all must've led their team in scoring yesterday. So that was kind of a neat thing to see on posted up on Twitter. Well, so they, I think by the way, they all outscored me, uh, in my entire alumni <laughs> tournament. This weekend, so. <laughs> hey, so, so that alumni tournament, is that the, like the whole, is it just four city or is that the one at Nyack where like all of like North central Iowa goes and plays in it? No, it's like four city and, and literally like there'll be a class of 87, a class of 88, a class of 89. Okay. And it, some of us have gotten older now that it's instead of 87, it's 87 through 91 or yeah, whatever. Right. It is. So now it's kind of like you can pick and choose the best two from each of those four or five years. And but yep. uh, if, if there's ever a definition of a slow break game, that is definitely it for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'll go ahead. It does something very similar. But I also know, um, like I said, like that Mason City, I thought Lake Mills, maybe Northwood, like some of those schools, they all go play at Nyack and, and make a big deal out of it, which is is always cool to kind of jealous of that setup, too, because no, like be you cool. said, you get to this age and it's almost fun razzing the other town. Well, it because it basically takes six, seven, eight classes to form one team that can still play. Okay. And so we need to play other towns to have a go. But that's uh, that's awesome. That's great. So so then moving forward, it sounds like, you know, you got some young kids, um, some good kids. Uh, this, the, you know, being able to see the success uh, that you guys have had, the youth program, the buy-in from the community. Um, things, have, things have to be good to be Coach Hilmer here as we move forward. Um, have to be excited. Might have a little bit more time with, uh, like you said, your point guard might have to come over for a few more film sessions. You're going to have some extra time to break down. You need someone to talk the game with. But um, so, yeah. So, so what do you think moving forward? We're staying in 1A next year, right? Um, and uh, overall, just tell us, give us a little uh, picture of the nucleus of the team and, and what you're hoping for. Okay. So yeah, we're, we'll be a 1A now for probably the next several years. Um, Mason Beshin was the freshman that came off the bench for us, number six. Uh, he would have been probably the starting point guard in 80% of the schools in 1A, I would say, or, or maybe even more. Uh, he'll, you'll find out how good a kid and basketball player that kid is next year. Um, he just happens to be on a really good team. Um, Ty Fluhop was a sophomore and he was our seventh man down at the state tournament. He was kind of our ninth man most of the year, but he really kind of after Christmas really emerged and played really well. He's, he's really growing. Um, he's in the gym constantly, uh, always in there shooting. His mom's a president of our booster club. And so he can get in there just by any time he wants. And he's in there a lot. Um, he's going to be really, really good. I, you know, our JV was undefeated and, and he was the one that kind of led that. And our JV was undefeated without Mason didn't play with our JV. He was with our varsity. So 
Uh, we've got obviously Tate Hagenberry back, our big kid uh, that did a great job against Grandview. Um, and Ben Wheatley, who did an awesome job. Uh, he maybe didn't get as much credit down the stretch because he didn't score as much as he was used to scoring. But man, did he play defense down at the state tournament. Uh, you know, he's, he's kind of a chance taker like Austin is on defense. And we kind of told him at the state tournament, we really need you to just lock guys down. And he did a great job down there of not worrying about whether he was getting steals, but just really, really playing great defense. He did a great job on the Hammonds kid in the, in the last game. So we got those two back. So those will be our, our four that, you know, are, we kind of know are coming back and are ready to go. And then we got a, we got a ton of other kids that are really right there that will be battling for those, those next four spots. Um, you know, a wide range of kids, small guards, power forward type kids. And, uh, you know, it'd probably be tough to mention them all right now, but they, they know, you know, that there's going to be some competition for spots. So I think we'll still be really good. Um, it'll, you know, just come down to, to, you know, our seniors are going to have to lead it a little bit different. It won't, you know, it won't be a, we won't have a older kid as the point guard anymore. We'll have a, a younger kid, but, um, you know, I th think Tate and Ben will do a great job of leading us. And, you know, we got, Two other seniors, Grant Reckmer and Carter Folkers, who are, you know, they haven't played a lot. Grant played, they played a lot of JV this year, and, and those guys have opportunities too. So we'll just see who comes out of the woodwork. But, you know, it's like you guys said, when, once you start winning and stuff, uh, you know, they want to be a part of it. And so now they know they got a chance, and those kids will work real hard in the offseason. Yeah, it keeps them hungry. And uh, any experience that you get um, down at Wells Fargo is is great experience for them, um, for each kid too, because, and we've talked about it on the pod too, different pods, just getting getting down there and kind of knowing where the scoreboard is and the hoops and the backdrops and all those little things, whether, you know, it's a young kid going out there and maybe getting three minutes or four minutes, whatever it is, or, you know, a junior that uh, gives a couple quarters like that, it only helps you know, you and your opportunity as you move forward um, with this little run that you've been on and um, being down in Des Moines in the Wells Fargo. Is there, is there anything in that schedule in that routine when you get down here to Des Moines, anything that you guys have to do or something you, is there a superstition or a, Hey, after the first win, this is what we have to do. We got to make sure we go watch a game or, or what do you guys do um, once you do make it down here to, to Des Moines? We, uh, well, I'm not, I used to be a little bit superstitious. I had a favorite jacket, but it was six and all. And then when we lost in it, I decided, well, there must not be superstition or we'd have won that game. So there you go. Uh, we've kind of dropped it, but uh, no, we, we just kind of play it by year each year. You know, we try to follow the similar uh, calendar for, or, you know, time frame of events when we're going to our first game, but it just kind of depends when it is. Um, but when you play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if you win, I mean, you just kind of plan on staying down there and, we kind of just leave the kids alone until we need to have a meeting and, and get to practice. And we let them kind of hang out in the hotel and do whatever. Uh, we don't like to go too many places and have them on their feet, you know, try to keep them off their feet and keep them fresh. Uh, generally we either go to Grandview or, or Dowling to, uh, to get our practices in or shoot arounds before games and things like that. So it's nice to have been down there. You know, that's another thing people don't realize if you've been down there a few times, you have some connections where you can call and get stuff set up right away but there's a lot of things to think about when you get down there that you don't always think about. And so um, that helps too, you know, when, when you get down there and you've, you've already had that experience, but we always stay in the same hotel and St. Mary's is always there with us and uh, really love those guys. I wish we were on the opposite side of the bracket and could have met in the state championship game. I wish it was that way every year. I think we've played them twice. Once was a consolation game. So, you know, we had both lost already. And then once was this year, but 
we're always down in the same hotel every single year. So it's kind of, it's kind of fun. And I think they've been there six years in a row and we've been there six years in a row. So we've seen them and then we've seen them in baseball a couple of times too. So same hotel, same guys. It's kind of fun. Yeah, that's, uh, that's crazy. Like you said, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, obviously the goal each and every year for you guys, but, uh, pulling double duties, being AD, being head coach, trying to coordinate all this stuff. Uh, it's got to be a little bit of an exhausting week for you, but uh, one that uh, I imagine that you look forward to um, each and every year. And uh, and hopefully here, uh, we'll, we'll see you again um, come March. Well, I hope you're right. And yeah, and you know, the thing for me that gets tough is our girls always win too. So then we can't practice when we're supposed to practice the week before the state tournament. So we got to run down to their games and we got to make sure the kids get back at a reasonable time. And so there's that balance too. And you got pet buses, you got to get lined up. And thankfully our, our secretary or our principal do a really good job of helping me out with all that stuff and kind of let me coach. So uh, yeah, I'm hoping we can get back down there again and, and hopefully our, our kids will work hard in the off season and have that opportunity. Sounds like a lot of organization. A lot of organization that week, but, uh, well, Hey coach, it's been great, uh, to, um, I, I mean, obviously learn more about your background, learn more about you as a coach and hear some of these, some of the, some of these amazing um, stories that you've had over the years. Um, we'll get you out of here after this, but we like to end our podcast, uh, with a little section called rapid fire where Brian's going to hit you with a couple questions, uh, some about hoops, some not about hoops. And you just let us know what comes top of your head. All right. All right. First one here. Um, You've been in a lot of them, so I'm anxious to hear a lot that I probably don't know anything about. So favorite visiting gym or arena? So as a visitor, where do you like, um, where do you like to go? What, what about it kind of makes it fun or makes it different? And we got to take, we got to throw Wells Fargo out. We all love Wells Fargo. So who, uh, <laughs> what other visiting gym do you enjoy going to? Well, I think my favorite game just, you know, in recent years was when we played at Cedar Falls. Uh, not necessarily because of the gym, but we played Fork City, which was where I you know, went to school and where my dad coached for 30 some years. So everybody in the building I knew uh, in one way, shape or form. And most of the kids, you know, that were playing, I had either coached their parents in Little League or, or somewhere along the line, knew them really well. So that was one of my you know, favorite places. I, I probably better pick West Delaware because we played a lot of sub-state games there. And I have a good friend that's the athletic director there, Matt Weiss. And they always do a great job and we're always very fortunate that they'll host, but you know, it's kind of nice to play in a gym you've been in before uh, and things like that. So, so that's, that was pretty fun. And then uh, if you got to go whole career, I would love for everybody to have, have seen us play at South clay. That was a team that beat us by like 35 points, but it was pretty much a lunchroom with tile floors and the tiles might pop up when you're <laughs> dribbling on them. And if you shoot from the corner, you got to duck to get it under the beam and things like that. So I've seen in that first conference I was in, including our gym, our gym as well, uh, some interesting uh, setups where you, you maybe couldn't <laughs> quite take a shot from the corner because there wasn't a corner type thing. <laughs> those are, and those ones, everyone's got to experience that. I mean, that's, it might be a little get off my lawn, but like you, you got to appreciate what you have now. You got to go back and you got to play in a couple Absolutely. of these old gyms and, and understand where we came from to get these nice facilities that we play in now. So I love it. Um, we talked a little bit about that coat, but uh, do we have any other either game day routine, something that you have to do on game days or a, a superstition of some sort um, to, to keep things in the, the feng shui moving on game day? Uh, you know, not really. I'm, I'm not a, uh, I tell people this quite a bit. I'm not a, 
I don't get in the locker room and try to pump them up and all that. I always tell them, this is, if you're not ready to play tonight, you know, then it's your problem. You should be ready to play. <laughs> right. It's an exciting time of your life. Uh, I Griff does get me, he gets me some uh, licorice. I used to always eat the nibs. So he gets me nibs before the games quite a bit. And I might as well bring this up. I mean, I, I don't think that's too unusual, but for an assistant coach to always want pink lemonade seems just a little off to me, but Travis always wants pink lemonade before a game. So Man, that's I'm not sure what, not sure what that has to do with hmm. or what's going on there, but yeah, that's a, That's an interesting choice and feels like maybe sometimes a tough find too, depending <laughs> yeah, on where they, have. they don't have it everywhere. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> do they have, not- he always says that, do they have pink lemonade? I'm like, I, well, I hope not, but I'll go check. <laughs> well, what does and regular lemonade doesn't count, right? It's gotta be, must, must not be good enough for him. I don't know. <laughs> oh man it's uh it, it sounds a little bit like you're trying to find a, a diet do up in uh up in esterville you might be you might be driving a little ways <laughs> that's good um all right so that's auditorium so if you could take uh if you could take your team uh to state tournament uh this coming march would you rather take them to vets auditorium or wells fargo arena Oh man, I'd love to go back and play in Vets Auditorium. I think that would be awesome. Uh, I try to explain it to the boys. It's, it's almost impossible to explain the atmosphere and how cool it was there. But I remember when my dad won it back in 1976, and I like literally I could sit right in front of the chairs on the on the floor there, and they, you know, referees didn't care or whatever, and I was right yeah. there. I love that place. I, I would love to go back, and I, I can remember always thinking, God, it would be awesome to bring a team here when I was coaching someday, and then. Obviously, it didn't exist when I was coaching, but um, when we went to Wells Fargo, I can remember sitting with Jake a lot of times, too, just thinking, oh, if we could just play down here one year, it would be so so special. And then to be able to do it six years in a row now has been awesome. That's that's great. Yeah, the vets going back to just the nostalgia and that that gym and everything that comes with it was, was certainly special. Obviously, Wells Fargo is a wonderful venue, too, and these kids are very lucky to have that as an opportunity and a goal at the end of the year. But uh, – Hard to beat vets. Um, so switching subjects a little bit, but uh, going back to the playing days. So who's a, in your opinion, who's the greatest football player of all time? The greatest? Well, it's got to be Tom Brady. I mean, I don't know how you can go any different. You should just right. ask me the NBA. So I, I mean, our players are convinced it's it's uh, LeBron, and I keep telling this Michael Jordan. So. <laughs> Wait, is, I don't know what you guys think, but I, yeah. I don't, I'm not winning the competition here when we're arguing about it. So we're, I was going to say, we, we often ask that question too, because it is so divided. It's funny because we usually ask it to some of our younger guests that are on here um, because we think it will stir up a little more controversy because it feels like Adam and I are right at that like age where we're MJ. Well, at least I guess I'm MJ. Adam, I, I think you're still on the MJ and but anyone starting younger than us, it's hard because they didn't mm-hmm. see it. And so they've watched LeBron and I get the LeBron argument, but yeah, I'm with you coach. That's a, that's an MJ. So um, what about favorite sports movie? Favorite sports movie, man. That's a, I don't know. I, all I know we watch the Sandlot a lot with our boys because they watch <laughs> it over and over and over again. There's some pretty good quotes in that one, but uh, I, I like, I mean, any sports movie is a good movie to me, but uh, that's, that's one that kind of sticks out in my head is one that the boys watch, you know, in the van or, in, you know, when we got home, we probably watch that thing a hundred times. I love it. I think no, that's been two podcasts in a row. That movie's been mentioned. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I love it. That's great. And it, and, it, and it is a great movie. It's a classic. Um, I think I might know the answer to this one coach, but uh, 
what would you prefer? Would you prefer coaching, um, having a whole practice where you coach defense or getting an opportunity to coach offense? <laughs> well, I would say probably defense. I'm a big X and O guy, but, uh, I, you know, we, we tell our kids all the time, and it's kind of funny because we play full court defense, but I really think our half court defense is what won the state title this year because they, they really buckled down when they had to those last two games. And, you know, the further you get, the, the more teams are going to be able to break your press and they're not going to, you know, at least not going to just turn it over and give you points on the, on the offensive end yourself. So um, I love coaching defense, whether it's, it's full court, half court, whatever, and, and getting kids to buy into it. And like one of my favorite games to ever watch was Baylor last year when they just dominated that, that state or the national championship game. I just loved watching that. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but I, I loved watching Iowa state when they played Iowa this year too, it was the same type of just a defense. It just shows what defense can do for you. Uh, even if you're not having a good offensive night. Right. And well, and I, I feel like from a coaching standpoint, especially in practice, like coaching defense, it's kind of like an energy. You can bring the energy, you can get after them, you can fire them up. Um, you know, we're on the offensive end from a coaching standpoint, it's like, man, you should have shot more in the summer, you know, like yeah, take care of the ball, <laughs> right. like going back, going back to your press break. Like, yeah, I mean, I have a great press break, but we got to be able to handle the ball. We got to be able to pass. We got to jump stop. We got to do all the things uh, that we're not doing before this is going to work. So that's good. Um, all right, coach, uh, Adam and I get a chance to come up and catch a game uh, next winter. Where's the best place to eat uh, in, in Troy Mills, right? So now we got to get this for, for us and the listeners. The high school is actually in Troy Mills. Is that correct? It's, yeah, it's. I think the address sometimes is a Coggin address, but it's right. It's a mile out of Troy Mills, and you're going to want to eat at Dharma's. No question about it. It's like it's the right, sound of it's that. Right there. It'll probably be packed though. You better come early. Oh, I like it. Dharma's. Wow. What? Just, uh, just hometown. Just good food, or what are we looking? What's very on good menu? food? They got really good tenderloins there too. And oh, yeah. um, the other, the other catch is there's really no other place to eat, so you, you pretty much have to. Live. <laughs> Okay. You can go to the Troy for if you want, but grab some pizza out of the out of the heater there. But uh, otherwise yeah. you're going to Dharmas. Okay. Dharmas. I love that. Um yeah. all right, two more coach. We'll get you out of here. Uh Shooters Touch is the name of the podcast. Uh basically because Adam and I never saw a shot we didn't like. We like to shoot it. We we encourage shooting. Um our our saying shooters shoot. So so what does it mean to you if someone has the shooter's touch or one of your players or you uh, this past weekend at the alumni game had the shooter's touch? What, what, what does that mean to you? Oh, I definitely lost the touch this weekend, but um, you guys know this. I mean, if you play basketball, there's, there's just a, there's a day every once in a while where you know everything you throw up there is going in and it's going to go in, you know what I mean? And uh, I don't know if it's shooter's touch or if it's just that, that shooter's feel that you get, but uh, I love watching kids when they're on that, uh, on that, that level, or, you know, just, you just know what's going in. And, and I watched a couple of kids at upper, Iowa do that, you know, the Joe Smolt kid and Jerese Williams, some nights, just unbelievable what they can do. Uh, I had lots of kids here that have done it. And again, you know, when you're, when you're on that type of a, of a high and you're riding that, that uh, feel, you know, what do they call that heat check, but you're doing it over and over again. And, we try to tell our kids a heat check isn't coming down on the first possession and shooting them from the white line to see if you're hot, you're supposed to make some first, but uh, you know, I, I, I love that stuff. And like I said, if, if you only could take good shots, you, you'd never have one of those nights because you don't always take the perfect shot there. So uh, that's what shooter's touch means to me. A lot of people think of shooter's touch as getting the, the bounce. And we try to tell our kids, we'll quit worrying about the rim and 
don't hit the dang thing and you don't have to worry about it. That's right. <laughs> Put the work in, get the reps. I love that. That's that's uh shoot to get hot and shoot to stay hot, right? So yeah. you gotta you gotta let it go. Um, all right, coach, last one and we'll get you out of here. But uh what's what's your favorite thing about having the opportunity to be the the head boys basketball coach at Northland? Uh, you know, for me, it's it's more being able to do something that I love and, and connect with kids. Um I, I tell our kids quite often, I know I'm hard on, on the kids. And I think anybody that's seen me coach probably knows I'm, I'm pretty, um, I don't know what I want to call it. I, I, I get after them after in practices and stuff, I expect them to work really hard. Uh, and I, and I try to, you know, the, the one thing I think people don't realize about coaches is you might see how they coach on the court, but you don't see any of the things that they're saying to them in the locker room. You don't see the, the relationships that you have. And, you know, we often tell our kids, Hey, we we're getting after you because we love you guys. And we want you to reach your potential And 10 years down the road. We don't want you sitting somewhere saying, you know what, if our coach would have pushed us, we could have been pretty darn good. And, and you will realize someday that, that you want somebody pushing you to be your best. And so, you know, I think it's for me, being able to coach is, is the connection to the kids. That's why I liked coaching in the first place. That's why I did duck, duck goose and all those things. It wasn't, it wasn't to see how many games I could win and see how popular I could become or anything like that. It was always just being able to do something that I really loved and, and watch kids do the same thing and, and reach their potential and have fun doing it. That's great. Well, coach, it's, you've, you've done a fabulous job. We are so thankful and grateful that you had the opportunity to come on and talk with us, share a little bit about your story, um, your program and what you guys have going up that way. We're excited to continue to follow your journey. Uh, we'll certainly be watching here as, we, as the calendar rolls over into next year. Uh, best of luck this summer as you guys continue to work that hectic schedule and get everybody where they need to go and, and make sure that things keep rolling. But uh, again, thanks for, thanks for taking some time with us, coach. Yep, no problem. Thank you guys for having me. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, everything that Brian said here, Coach, it was great to meet you, great to talk to you, um, and great to learn more about you. So we appreciate your time. Excited to watch um, how Northland kind of progresses here next year and uh, continues to improve. Appreciate that. Thanks, guys.